Lord, we are hungry people, and we are sitting at the table. Would you please minister to us by your Holy Spirit, and we will be very, very grateful. Bless my people, O oh God, that we may live here from knowing, Lord, that you have truly met our need. Encourage us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Last Lord's Day, we almost concluded chapter 3 of the book of Job. Very, very depressing and very discouraging how Job, from the mountaintop to the valley, he has gone through. And we all go through in our own personal life. And how do we handle it? How do we overcome it? What are the legacy we would like to leave behind? It matters how you handle it. And here is in the book of Job, the spirit of the living God teaches us that how we can do that, that we may glorify our God. Only one life and it will soon be over. What is done for the Lord Jesus Christ will last forever. And that's what we are looking into. Over these two weeks, we consider about Job's weeping and wailing and his woes. Job was discouraged, despair, but how did he deal with anything comes in your life and my life? It has a purpose. Nothing comes by surprise or accident or chance. We don't believe that because the Bible doesn't approve that. Because if your life is at the hand of God, then it is the Lord who oversees, superintends, and always do for his glory and for our good. Sometimes we don't understand and we don't have to understand. If he is the potter, and if we are the clay, he has a right over the clay. Whether he can make the vessel of honor or the vessel of dishonor, it is God. It is God. That's what we are learning from the book of Job. The whole doctrine of God, who God is, who God is. Well, having said that, let me set the stage about this subject, what we are going to consider. John Henry Newman wrote this verse on a memorial card for the father of a young man who died of cancer in 1877. And this is what John Henry Newman wrote to his father. Quote, God has created me to do him some definite service. He has committed some work to me which he has not committed to another person. I have a mission. I may never know it in this life, but it shall be told in the next. <coughs> Therefore, I will trust him whatever I am. Therefore, I will trust him whatever I am. He continues, 
I can never be known, I, will, I can never be thrown away. If I am in sickness, my sickness may serve me, uh, serve him. If I am in sorrow, my sorrow may serve God. He does nothing vain. Now stop it. God doesn't do anything vain. Because God doesn't create junk. God doesn't create anything except his own purpose. He does nothing in vain. Now, wait a minute. Stop for a while. Our finite mind will say, wait a minute. What about this? What about that? Well, overall, you see, God is glorifying in the process, not in the final product. Remember that. Remember that. I always use the illustration. When the carpenter would like to make a table, he goes to the Home Depot or Lowe's and pick up the materials. Only he knows what he's up to. Wood has nothing to do if the speech is given to Wood, Wood must be thinking, what in the world you're doing? Well, he has already figured it out what he's going to do. And then he uses the chisel, saw, and everything. And in the process, it is painful for a Wood to go through. But when it comes to final product, wow, this is what happened. And this is exactly when your life and my life in the hand of the living God, he's the potter, we are the clay, he's in process of making something beautiful we cannot understand. So anything comes in our life is not for vain, but for his glory. Always remember that, always remember that. When you think about Joseph, age of 15 he was sold, he went to the Egypt, and then Potiphar, you remember the whole story. And the book of Psalms writes about jo uh, Joseph that they shackle, shackle his neck. Normally feet, but neck. And you wonder, what Joseph had to go through all these things? Well, God was doing something out of Jake, Joseph. In, in Genesis 50, verse 20, his brother, his, his father dead, Jacob just married. They came back, his brothers were guilty, standing in front of Joseph, and they were ashamed of what they did. And what did Joseph say? You meant it evil poor, but God meant it good. That was a process Joseph has to go through. Through a prison, the Lord brought him in palace. That is the God. He doesn't allow anything in vain. He nothing allows in vain. Sometimes it is very hard for us to understand because we live in a fallen culture and fallen world and we think God ought to be like what I am thinking about God. But leave God alone because God is God. And we are we. Do not put God in the box and demand what you want. Put yourself in the box and say, God, what thou hast for me to do, do it for your glory. 
And when you say that, better prepare. Better prepare what he will do for from you. Only eternity will tell what Lord has accomplished through you. Joseph never realized. Joseph never realized. Daniel in the lion's day never realized. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego thrown into the fiery furnace never realized. But God was working through them. Anan and Sapphira, they were buried in three hours. And what do, how do the church think about that? There was a fear of God never realized in the early church. And what was God doing? Hypocrisy was getting into the church. The Lord has stopped it. The Lord has stopped it. Nothing comes in, in the body of the believers or the church unless God allows. So therefore, I will trust him whatever I can. He does nothing in vain. He knows what he's about. He may take away my friends. He may throw me away uh, among the strangers. He may make me feel desolate, make my spirit sink, hide my future from me. Still, he knows what he is about. This is God. This is God. Job, behind the curtain, did not know what the God was doing. His friends did not understand what God was doing. But this is the eternal perspective. This is the eternal perspective of faith that every believer must have in time of suffering. Trusting God is the matter of will. Do you understand, friends? Trusting God is the matter of will. Somebody has defined what, it, what does it mean to trust God. And I quote, trusting God means, you can write it down if you want to, trusting God means accepting his will for life and death for a Christian. Trusting God means accepting his will for life and for death for a Christian. Only Christian can say like Paul, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That was quoted this morning. This is the eternal perspective. So trusting God is a matter of will, not something that is driven by our feelings. Oh, friends, how many people say, I don't feel like loving my wife. Oh, that is not the feeling. It is a covenant and it is a promise. Trusting God is not feeling. It is willing. It is willing. It is willing. Too often believers live by feelings rather than by faith. No wonder Paul has to write in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, for me, uh, uh, I walk by faith and not by sight. Walk by faith, not by sight. Believers must purpose to look to God or they will be overwhelmed by feelings of despair. Let me say it again, friend. This is a very important statement. Believers must purpose. Daniel purposed in his mind. That is, 
determination step. Consequences leave it to God. Daniel determined that he will not defile by king's food. You remember in Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, Daniel purpose so. Believers must purpose to look to God or they will be overwhelmed by feelings of despair. Faith must rise above our feelings rather than pull down by, they, by them. And how often we sing that trust and obey for there is no other way. To be happy in Jesus, trust and obey. Trust and obey. Trusting God is time-tested truth. Let me say it again. Trusting God is time-tested truth. Those who have trusted God, they walk through and look back and say, thank you, God, that you never fail. That's why, beloved, David, in Psalm 34, verse 8, says, Oh, test and see, the Lord is good. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, Prove me now, and I will open the windows of heaven. Oh, harvest people, God Almighty calling you, to prove his faithfulness. Prove his faithfulness. Trusting God does not mean that God's people do not experience pain. Pain will serve God's purpose. Pain will serve God's purpose if you allow him. If you allow him, he will serve God's purpose. You know, in my pain, five years now, what a privilege I had to witness to the neurologist and pain management department. Had not my pain, they would not have heard about my Lord. And I thank God for the pain. Pain can become the servant of God if you let him. But if you go to the pity party, why me, why me? Then you are the miserable person. You are the miserable person. Trusting God does not mean God's people do not experience pain, but it does mean they believe that God is at work. Isn't it wonderful? I love it. That God is at work. <clears throat> resting in, in God, who is the sovereign God. He is a loving God. He is all wise God. And you can depend on him. You can depend on him. You can depend on him. No matter how great the trials, how deep the pain, 
the peace of God is greater still. Oh, my beloved. When my Lord was about to go to the cross, disciples were despair, discouraged. And the Lord had to remind them, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, you also believe in me. In my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And he said, in John chapter 14, verse 27, I give you my peace. Oh, beloved. God Almighty deposited eternal peace on your account. Would you then mourn and groan? He has given peace with passeth all understanding. And he said, in this world you have trials and tribulations, but I have, I have deposited my peace. Enjoy. Enjoy. Now, the question, how to deal with discouragement? How to deal with discouragement? Well, you remember when I started this chapter 3, I had this... Uh, a story about Martin Luther, and I'm going to read that again. But in chapter 3, I am subject of depression, so fearful that I... This is Charles Spurgeon, a great British uh, prince of preacher. This is what he said about him. I am subject of depression, so fearful that I hope none of you ever get to such extremes of wretchedness as I go through, Charles Spurgeon. Martin Luther, the great reformer, he had given this illustration and followed the beautiful illustration. Martin Luther told a parable in which the devil was listening to his demons. They came together and reported about their progress in destroying the souls of men. One evil spirit said to the dim, dead, uh, Satan, there was a company of Christians crossing the desert and I lose the lions upon them. Soon the sands of the desert covered the corpses. But what good it is, barked Satan. The lions destroy their bodies but their souls were saved. It is their soul I am after. Another unclean spirit came and he gave his report. There was a company of Christian pilgrims sailing through the sea on a vessel. I sent a great wind which drove the ship on the rocks and every Christian abroad drowned. Every Christian drowned. Satan shouted, what good it is that bodies were destroyed in the sea, but their souls still alive. Then the third fallen angel, or fallen, uh, uh, angel stepped forward to give his report. And listen to this. For 10 years, I have been trying to cast one particular Christian into deep despair. And depression. At last, at last, I have succeeded. 
And with great report, the corridors of hell rang with shouts of triumph. The sinister mission had been accomplished. The soul of a believer had been defeated, discouraged, and despaired. Do you understand? This is what the enemy is doing. This is what the enemy is doing. Beloved, this is the fictitious story, but it does reveal the truth about Satan's evil intention to destroy and discourage. This was what Job was facing. This was what Job was facing under the vicious assaults of the devil. The pain the patriarch had sunk into deep disparity. Although initially responding with unflinching faith, he began to weaken under the relentless attack of the enemy. This is the reality of the power of Satan. Power of Satan. We learned in one devastating ambush, Job's family was stripped away. His possessions were re reduced to nothing. And then everything was destroyed. But Job responded with unending faith in a sovereign God. God gave, God took it, blessed be the name of God. Then Satan re reloaded his arsenal and unleashed his attack again, ravaging Job's skin from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet. Under this assault, Job was devastated and physically and emotionally, but again he responded with extraordinary faith. Over next seven days, Job sat in a silence. <coughs> with, with a crushing reality, penetrating his soul. A heavy cloud, despondency settled over. Despite an unshakable trust, he told his wife. And all these things. And now, Job is going through immense disparity and discouragement. That's what we are learning now. Now, how to deal with discouragement? How to deal with discouragement? What do we learn from the account in life of Job? Discouragement is very real. Very real. I'm sure none of you, including I am standing here, none of us is exempted from discouragement. None of us. But how do we deal with? I was looking in my archives. I was looking for a book. And I highly recommend you. Um, Spiritual Depression. There's a book called Spiritual Depression. It's available in um, Christian book distributors. Uh, you can order it, spiritual depression, uh, depression uh, and uh, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful book. I, in a previous church, we order at least 15 copies, and people just bought it, everybody. It's a great tool that not only builds you up, but also you can help someone, that how you can help other people. Martin D. Lloyd-Jones is the author. 
Martin D. Lloyd Jones. You can call CBD 1-800-247-4784. That's the number. That you can call Spiritual Depressor D. Martin Lloyd Jones. And it's a less than $10 book, but it is worth having that book in your library. And that will help you. Go page by page. I read twice, and it's a wonderful, wonderful tool how to help other people, how to build your faith in the midst of depression. So this is just uh, um, uh, information. What do we learn from the account in the life of Job? Discouragement is real, even for the strongest believer. No one is exempt from low valley of low valley of disparity, regardless of how closely you walk with God. No matter how you close, how closely you walk with God, discouragement is part of life. But then, top of that, you remember, I give my peace with passeth all understanding. Let the disparity or discouragement not overwhelm you, but with the word of God, you take over discouragement. That's a wonderful thing. Strongest believer can become discouraged. Although Job was the most righteous on the earth, Job bore all the marks of someone who is depressed. This spiritually mature was filled with gloom, the filled with anxiety, bitterness, confusion, fear, hopelessness, sadness, dejection, pessimism, and unquestionably true. Believer can be depressed to the point of the great despair and heart attacks. You know, when you read Psalm 23, it's so beautiful Psalm. It's a comfort to billions. In a funeral service, this song, these psalms be read, recited. In the hospital bed is recited. But this beautiful psalm and it's the significant of this psalm. One of the verses, even though I walk through the shadow of death. That means there is a valley of shadow of death. God will allow you to go through. But remember, God is your shepherd. You never lose the sight of the shepherd. You never lose the sight. He allows you to go through valley of the shadow of death. But your shepherd is going before you. What more you need, my friends? What more you need? His promise. His promise. You remember the, uh, I, I don't know whether you remember, but this is the story, true story. A father and son in Los Angeles, they were driving through. And uh, he dropped his son and he told his son, just wait here, I'm coming, I have to do some chore. So the son was 12 years old, he was just walking around. And uh, uh, unfortunately, 
uh, his pickup broke down. <laughs> so he told his son that I'll be here in one, less than one hour. So son was waiting. He was looking all over the shops and all this thing. It took four hours. And the father came and said, oh, son. He, he hugged him. He said, I, I apologize, my son. He said, why, father? You told me you're coming. I believe your word. So I was not panicking because I knew that you're coming. That is the trust Lord would have us on his eternal promises. I was reading about that woman who came to Jesus Christ, Syrian woman, you remember? Her daughter was demon-possessed, and the Lord had to say, now first thing I have to do to my own people, then you, and all these things, you know. When you read the story, at the end of the story, what did Jesus say to her? Great is your faith. Why? Why did Jesus acknowledge her faith, not the faith of even disciples, her faith of Syrian woman, because she believed, listen to this, she believed what, we, what she knew about God was true. She believed what she knew about God, and she never wavered, no matter what. That was the Lord would us to that place. Turn with me to first, second Corinthians chapter one, verse eight and nine. Second Corinthians chapter one, eight and nine. If somebody find, read loudly, please. And listen to this word. This is Paul, the beloved apostle of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. Isn't it wonderful? Thank you, Tim. What a powerful word. We almost lost the hope. He said, we were sentenced to death. Why? So we should not trust in us, but in God. You know, friends, it is wonderful to sing, trust and obey, for there is no other way. But when the crisis comes, it is very, very, very hard. But remember his promise. The one who has promised you, he will see you through. He will see you through. And another promise I, I would like to turn with me to Psalm number 69, verses 1, 2, 3. 1,
Psalm 69, 1, 2, and 3. Save me, O God, for the waters are coming in unto my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Pastor. My soul waits for you. You know, in spiritual depression by Martin D. Lloyd-Jones, he's talking about, he said, don't let your yesterday speak to you. You speak to yesterday that I put my trust in God. How true it is. How true it is. How true it is. So, how do we overcome? How do we handle it? Well, some practical implication here I wrote down. Um, Martin Luther, again, reformers, he experienced such deep depression. He's writing in his book. In writing about the grief, Luther said, quote, for more than a week, I was so close to the gates of death and hell. I tremble in all my, uh, I tremble in all my members. I tremble all my members and find out uh, I, I, I tremble my, all my members. I, I just tremble. Now, what are the causes of discouragement? You have to find out what are the causes of discouragement. When you get discouraged, go on your knees and search and seek God's Find out, Lord, have you chosen me to go through or this is my own doing? Show me, Lord. Show me. Sometimes physical health causes discouragement. Like you have been praying for your health, you're praying for your loved one's health and it is deteriorating and you get discouraged. But then you have to see the bigger and broader picture. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. So physical health is one of the causes for disparity, discouragement. A relationship, interpersonal relationship causes financial need causes discouragement. Unanswered prayers causes discouragement. But remember, my beloved, your heavenly father knows it all. Isn't it wonderful uh, comfort for us? Read Matthew chapter 6. Oh, what a beautiful sermon on the mount. Your heavenly father feeds, F-E-D-D-S. Heavenly father feeds the sparrows. Your heavenly father knows what you're going through. Your heavenly father clothes. If they are temporary, if he takes care of this, how much more he can do for you? Whom he has purchased with his own precious blood. You are his purchased possession. Would he leave you on the crossroad and say, find your way? Or he would say, follow me. 
Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thou art with me. If he fears the sparrow, oh, you can trust him. You can trust his word. You can believe his promises that he would never leave you alone. Put your hope in him. Put your hope in him. Share your discouragement to the mature believer. Job did not have anyone to share with. And those who came to comfort him, they condemned him. It's wonderful, friends. That's why I always say, find a prayer partner in the body of the believers and share. Accountability is very, very important. When you go through, when you share with someone, you know that you're not alone. God Almighty is with you and your brother is with you or your sister is with you. Oh, beloved, find someone, pray about it, and call. Say, hey, I, I, I want to be a prayer partner with you. In a 176 hours the Lord gives you, find 15 minutes or half an hour and share. Pray with one another. Encourage, as Paul writes in second, uh, First Corinthians chapter 4, and it's talking about the rapture and all these things. And when you see these days coming, encourage one another. Encourage one another. Don't, don't, don't be shy. Don't be embarrassed that what other people... Trust someone whom you can pour out your heart. Half of the burden will go away, friends, because you know somebody is praying for you. So wonderful, so wonderful. Find someone and pray and read the Psalms, my friends. Psalms is the greatest comfort for the believers. If you read Psalms, you can be a good, uh, you, you, that would be a great comfort about how God dealt with David. How God can deal with us. Psalms. If you read five Psalms every day, in a month you can finish the book of Psalms. Isn't it wonderful? Try. Try. Mark, uh, 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 what do you call, um, marker, different colors. And you imagine, and you can underline with markers. I, I guarantee you, my friends, in, in a one year you read Psalm 12 times, and the Psalm will become the living reality of God for you. Try that. Try that. And you know, rest is the best. When you are overtired, <laughs> you're not getting anywhere. The Lord has to put Job to rest for three days, three nights. Oh, I need rest. I need rest. My wife always tells rest. I said, the rest is waiting in the grave. 
rest is waiting in the grave. I'm looking forward for that. It's so wonderful that God has given us. It's, we, we are the good stewards of the body, right? We are to take care of our body. When your body is not well, it affects the whole relationship with your wife, your children, your relationship with God. Everything is affected. And you said, where did I go wrong? Well, you need a rest. Complete rest. And that will help. So wonderful. Okay. So that is the first thing. Then believers can suffer deeply on many levels at one time. Job suffered four different levels. He suffered physically, so traumatized that he could not eat or sleep. First, he was depressed, discouraged physically. He suffered intellectually. In his mind, his mind was flooded with questions he could not answer. And heaven was silent. He suffered emotionally, not being at ease or at rest within his own heart. He also suffered spiritually as he realized that God had hedged him in, the, in, the, in this cause, uh, caused him to wish that God never allowed him to be born. He was, so he was depressed, suffered intellectually, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Are we all going through that? But how you handle? Similarly, there may be the times in the lives of the believers when they go through a dark night of adversity in which they also suffer like Job physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually. The good news is that we have, Job did not have a fuller revelation of God. Remember that. We have a full revelation of God in the Bible. We have a Holy Spirit abiding with us. Plus side for us. We had accountability. We have a body of the believer we can share. Job did not have. So we have much plus side than Job. So we should not mourn and groan about our situations. When God has given us everything. For our comfort. Because in this world, remember John 16, 33, trials and tribulations are there. But remember, he has overcome, number one. He has given us his peace as a deposit guarantee for us who will control our mind and our feelings and emotions, everything. Trust him. He will never let you down. Thirdly, discouragement cause uh, God's people to lose perspective. Watch out. Watch out. Discouragement can cause God's people to lose perspective. Oh, I can go on, my friends. You know, I, I was, as I was preparing, I, the Lord reminded me about David. David, remember David was facing Goliath. When he came to the camp, he was abusing and blaspheming God of Israel. What did he say? Who is this uncircumcised Philistines who defiles the army of the living God? And he was willing to go. And he went there. And he said, am I a dog that you're bringing a staff 
and what did david say you come against me with spear and sword i come against you in the name of god that is david but then when the when people began to shout saul killed 1000 david kills 10000 oh jealousy took over jealousy took over and saul began to pursue david the same david who faced goliath and he he said i come against you now same david lost his perspective because he was depressed discouraged because of his end time is coming that what he thought about so as i was reading first samuel chapter 21 verse 12 he went to the territory of gath Remember the territory of Gath was the was was Goliath Goliath was from Gath so he went to the enemy's territory now watch this the king of Gath they saw David so how did David acted anybody remember <laughs> like a crazy he was a madman his saliva coming out of his mouth and then the king said we have enough mad people in the camp same David he lost the perspective that can happen to anyone discouragement causes you to lose your perspective job had lost the right perspective of god he jumped to wrong he jumped to wrong conclusion losing sound judgment as a result depression affects a person's views of life and the views of god watch out watch out the depression will lose the perspective views of god and leads you to unhealthy negative image of people and god be careful be careful if anybody goes and the time is up now i wish i have more time but i give you this thought to think about that discouragement is a part of life we are not still taken up to heaven but we have god we have his promises we have believers we can count on one another we have a spirit of god dwelling in us guide us and lead us so we can trust him and read the psalms be encouraged and there are other worse than you who go through encourage them as you see the day let's pray lord we thank you so very much for your word which has come to us this morning thank you for reminding us lord that we are still on this planet earth and surrounded by disparity discouragement but oh god they can serve your purpose in our life so help us oh god that we may never lose the sight of whom we belong to and who has given us his spirit as a deposit guaranteed and also who has deposited his peace with passeth all understanding on our account so help us o oh god that we may never lose the sight of our god almighty help us o oh god that we may continue to live for your glory and bless my people o oh god teach us more how we can get over and make can become a 
instrument of hope and encouragement to other people. Now prepare our heart, O oh God, for the worship service. Bless my people till we meet again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.